Six of the Movie Brats podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well and super excited because in a few days I will be in New York City to attend six days of the New York Film Festival. And uh, not too long, you'll be going to at least some of the Virginia Film Festival, correct? Yes, we're in sort of festival prestige movie season now that October is upon us and we're having interesting movies coming out. Uh, every week basically now but for this episode we're going to do something i don't know if we've done necessarily before we're going to be looking at some movies that came out over the summer but with a specific focus that they all star or co-star the actress uh io adebri who has sort of been on fire the last couple years with her appearances in the tv show the bear and in the movies we'll be dis- discussing today. Uh, the first of which is Bottoms, directed by Emma Seligman, who previously directed Shiva Baby, which Jonathan has seen, but I have not, uh, starring Rachel Sinat, who also co-wrote the movie, uh, Io Adebri, uh, and Marshawn Lynch, the former NFL running back. Uh, the movie is about unpopular best friends, PJ and Josie, who start a high school fight club to get close to the girls they have crushes on, and to achieve popularity things spiral out of their control and students start beating each other up in the name of self-defense uh it originally premiered march 11th at south by southwest in austin texas and was released wide in the u.s august 25th uh it is available on demand a metacritic score of 77 and a rotten tomato score of 92 i've seen online that some of the user ratings are a lot lower than i expected it to be so it seems this movie is maybe more divisive than i realized uh at the very enthusiastic screening that i attended uh we have not talked about this movie before except that you know that i really enjoyed the theater going experience because people were losing their minds uh so jonathan what did you think of bottoms i thought it was okay it was uh like three out of five stars um, I saw it in a theater with one other person sitting okay. way in the back. <laughs> a bit um, different. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really liked her first film, Shiva Baby. Very funny. It's like if Mel Brooks and Lena Dunham's girls were smushed together into a movie with kind of a dash of Kirby enthusiasm. And I thought it was one of the better uh, directorial debuts of a comedy in recent years. And also uh, very rare these days. Uh, it's like 77 minutes long, super short. Mm-hmm. And it actually is based on a short. Um, and Rachel Sinnott was the star of that film, who is the star of this film and co-writer of this one. Um, this one pales in comparison to Shiva Baby. I thought that one was so tight and its comic voice was so assured. And Bottoms is amusing. It has funny bits, but... I remember reading a review of a movie and the critic was saying that uh, Joel Cohen once said that the top job of a director is tone management. Mm. And I feel like the major problem I have with Bottoms is that its comedic tone and voice is really scattershot, whereas Sheva Baby was so 
distinct and assured and sharp and bottoms it goes from being this kind of absurdist comedy like what if we did a queer fight club in a high school to trying to be legitimately emotional and then it's really wacky and zany and then like another absurdist moment comes in and it just felt kind of comedically tonally all over the map and like individual bits I found funny and amusing but I just felt like there needed to be a second or another draft on the script or there needed to be a tighter edit of the movie it just felt like there were scenes that kind of the improvised bits and it it just seemed a little bit too over the map tonally but I enjoyed things about it I I I don't know maybe part of it was I saw it in a theater with one other person in the back uh, <laughs> I think I that definitely affects how you react to comedies um, but I, I mean, I had a friend who saw it at South by Southwest and he said that it was just like the audience was having a, a blast watching it. And I was like sitting there going like, mm, that's kind of funny. Like mm -hmm. I laugh a little bit here and there, but it's a it's a case of where I really like the first film by this director actor pair much more. That was a really good film. This one was like, you know, OK. For me, this is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a really, really long time. I can't even remember the last time I laughed as much in a movie theater as I did for this one. And I'm sure part of that is, I think comedies especially benefit from, it's like when you're at a comedy show and everyone's laughing, stuff is funnier and the joke might not work outside of the context of like a stand-up comedy performance, but sort of people are in the mood for it and people are ready for it. And other people laughing makes you laugh a lot more. So there's no doubt that that completely colored my experience, but people were legitimately like screaming and stuff like that. at The one I was at, like in a way that people just haven't reacted to movies like that, that I've been at. I don't know, maybe since like Wolf of wall street or something like that. Um, and I, I really liked, I actually thought that the sort of tonal scattershotness and the all over the place esqueness of it. Um, I thought at least worked for the context in which I saw it. And it is a totally absurdist movie. Um, it's a movie that almost like bears no relation to sort of the, the world that we live in and stuff like that. Um, down. But to I very... wish that it hit, I wish it had gone like full absurdist. Like I, that's the problem is that like, yeah. you know, in the climax, this isn't really a spoiler, but like they murder someone and it's just like, but like there's other parts where they're trying to be genuinely emotional or, there it just it didn't land on a consistent tone like it didn't it just tried to do a bunch of different i think it made some concessions and it's sort of absurdism with the i know like like you know there's movie i'm not saying it's the same thing but like a movie like the lobster goes a hundred percent into its conceit and its tone and mm -hmm. the style of the performances and i feel like bottoms is a movie that is doing multiple uh, comedic registers and I'm not saying a film has to be completely in the same register but mm -hmm. I just feel like there were like even within the same scene it would just jump around in its comedic tone and I just was like it just it was distracting and it felt uh unbalanced I will say the strongest thing about the movie and I'm not just saying this because it's kind of the idea of the focus episode, of it <laughs> but, uh, the two lead actors ground uh the movie or at least uh run with the movie and its craziness and its 
all over the placeness. Uh, they do a really good job, and especially at Debris, she's very funny. The way she, you know, delivers a line, her attitude, her mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, Rachel Sennett's character is much more kind of aggressive and full on, and she's the more, you know, she's sort of like person. more like the Michael Sarah in Superbad, while uh, Rachel Sennett's more like the Jonah Hill in Superbad. If that's a movie, it's been compared to a lot. Um, and one of the things I've sort of seen about it is like, you've seen this movie before, but this time it's lesbians. And it's like, I don't think I've really seen any like high school comedy quite like this. I mean, maybe something like Grease in terms of like a sort of heightened reality and mixing fantasy in real life. But it's super bad. Or Heathers. <laughs> yeah, I've Heathers heard. maybe. Yeah, it's something similar. But I don't think super bad is necessarily an apt comparison because. I mean, Superbad is pretty much like a realist movie. I think that's sort of one of the things that makes it work is it's supposed to be very authentic to the high school experience. This movie is not like authentic to the high school experience. I don't think anyone has ever attended a high school like the one here with like super effeminate football players who wear pads all the time. And, uh, you know, the the stuff about like the, the classwork uh, where they just basically do nothing, I thought was like hilarious. Um it's just it's depiction of sort of like high school life I found really really funny and actually uh sort of went at it at an angle I'd never seen before um that was like totally absurdist and maybe you know maybe high school's different than it was when I went to it but we still did work and had homework and teachers paid attention during class um, maybe maybe it's different now but I don't I don't think it is um but so I, I thought it's sort of lack of interest in actually depicting real life uh was very refreshing um and that way it sort of reminded me of barbie a little bit and sort of like the heightened reality um and the absurdism and sort of pulling references from stuff uh you know from like the 50s and 60s and 70s um and especially in its style and stuff like that that's why i think greece is sort of an apt comparison for it i think the sort of stylized version of high school is is kind of similar to that. The Heather's is definitely a, a good comparison, especially because it does have some pretty dark jokes in it. Like there were definitely some about like teen suicide and stuff like that where audience members like gasped in the one I was in and like couldn't believe that they had said the things that they said. Um, and I thought I had a lot of really good supporting performances from actors I'd never seen before um like nicholas what is it galatine who was in the the amazon queer romantic comedy uh red white and royal blue um i thought was really really funny as like the uh the quarterback who's <laughs> like uh, like extremely effeminate but also like you know super macho in a very funny way um and then uh punky johnson uh yes is one of the the actors who played uh like they're sort of gay yoda i thought was really really funny i hadn't seen her anything before um saturday night live cast member was she i'm not a big saturday night live viewer or a featured player she's on saturday night live at least Uh um and then ruby cruz is like they're like very enthusiastic sort of semi-friend i thought was really really funny um who was another actor i had never seen before um so yeah it was just a lot of like fresh faces doing interesting things um I, I really really liked it i'm sure seeing it with like a bunch of like college students and stuff like that made it a more enjoyable experience than, than the one you had which sounded like it was pretty pretty tame and mild because well i have to say one thing that pales in comparison besides the own uh director and stars previous film um in the last few months i've been watching the show pin 15 
which oh. I think is just like like screamingly funny and just a, a incredibly funny and strong television show. And the conceit of that is the two creators of the show, the female writers, they star in it. Uh, and they're like, you know, in their thirties and they're playing, you know, 14, 15 year old mm -hmm. uh, high school students. And that's a show that just completely 100% commits to the bit. And it is so brutally honest and awkward, but kind of absurdist too, because of the conceit of the performances Mm -hmm. And I just felt like with Shiva Baby and another kind of in the same milieu, 10, 15 in recent years, that I just felt like Bottoms wasn't as good as those things. And it just I just wish that uh, with the talent involved that it, it just felt kind of slapdash. And I mean, there's kind of a charm to that, but it just felt really like. I felt like there's probably like 40 minutes of deleted scenes and alternate takes and it just wasn't compiled and edited and like really honed into a, like a sharp comedic tone. Like, I feel like you could have taken, you know, basically the material they shot and really made a strong comedic film. But this felt just kind of too much over all over the place for me. But mm -hmm. I did enjoy it enough. I just was disappointed compared to you know uh, you bring for... the, the baggage of expectations from having seen the previous movie which i did not have yeah. Uh, yeah. which maybe freed me up a bit more to evaluate it on its own terms maybe um, yeah but i do think uh i would like to see more comedies like this um and like i guess maybe it, people might think of it as sort of like a woke movie or like maybe some of the marketing depicted like you know it's lgbtq plus friendly and stuff like that but I mean that is a big part of it, but it's it it definitely isn't like a woke movie. It definitely is transgressive and uh, subversive and uh, pushes some boundaries that I think typical comedies don't necessarily address in a way that I right. found very very refreshing. I will um, say one other problem I had with it is with the comedic inconsistency. It also like kind of narratively wasn't as strong in the sense that like. It, I I kind of forgot at times like like what are they actually doing this for <laughs> like it's like you, you get this you know yes they're doing it because they want to get these uh women they have crushes on their their fellow students but it just seems so kind of slapdash that it's just like they're they're having these fight scenes you know it's like fight club and it just kind of goes all over the place and it's yeah. like it doesn't really it's like in the movie super bad they, you know, you get like they're determined to lose their virginity before they graduate high school. And like there's like like that is their goal. Yeah. And like it feels like Bottoms sets up like, oh, it's going to be this fight club. And they do that. But it's just like they throw in this joke and that joke and it goes all over the place. And they just have bits that kind of wander off. And I just felt like it didn't even kind of commit to its premises well. And it just yeah. I don't know that like the end of the movie is just like so kind of it ridiculous. sort of happens <laughs> i know and it's just like the movie just ends too and yeah it does i don't i don't know but it definitely uh, yeah lacks focus and cohesion in a way that um i could i can very much understand your criticism i guess it was just i didn't really care <laughs> i guess because yeah. i was having so much fun watching it um maybe on repeat viewings it might not hold up as well but uh, it's just it's one of the things that that makes you know the theater going experience worthwhile is to be able to have a lot of fun in a movie theater with a lot of people 
Um, and Besides one other person sitting <laughs> way behind you in the back. Yeah. Was that never person that. laughing? Oh, yeah. No, no. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I mean, I remember seeing movies and I was the only one in the theater and I was cackling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I remember seeing a movie. This isn't the same thing, but there was a Whit Stillman had a movie called Damsels in Distress, which is, you know, a, a film in college with Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. I was the only one in the theater. And I was just like, just screaming, laughing consistently mm-hmm. to that movie. Um, and that, and I don't know, this is a, it's a very well, this different This definitely film. isn't like a sharp Whit Stillman kind of movie. I know, but he has, he has such a sharp comedic voice and it's so like, consistently his voice and i feel like i mean i'm not even saying it's like a problem that like the director and uh-huh. the star are both writing the screenplay like that's not a problem i mean like there's the coen brothers and there's billy wilder and yeah. diamond and billy wilder you know it's like there are plenty of great t- screenwriting pairs i just felt like this one i almost feel like it's uh if a lot of it felt improvised and kind of like they just let the cameras roll and like there's funny bits that get you know created with that but it also felt like okay you need to i mean it is only like 92 minutes i mean shiva baby is like even shorter but i'm saying it needed to be shorter but it just it needed to be tightened not the running time really just it needed to be comedically and narratively tightened but i'm in the minority a lot of people like it a lot more than i did but well it had a lot of pretty low scores on the user ratings i was looking at so i think some people really didn't like it um but i'm very definitely emma seligman is uh definitely an up-and-coming filmmaker to to keep your eye on and and pretty much everything she uh creates in the future i will probably be interested in seeing go uh, back and watch shiva baby and that's I, what I, I, will. <laughs> I will and, i almost uh, bought it as a blind buy because it was on sale with one of those boutique uh distributors uh but I, I didn't pull the trigger on that one but i will definitely i'm definitely more interested in seeing it maybe than i was before seeing bottoms even though it was incredibly review. Uh, well reviewed and that was sort of one of the movies that snuck under the radar at the beginning of covid uh yeah i yeah. remember uh, i went to atlanta and like spent two nights in a hotel and saw like nomadland and the father and promising young woman and king kong versus godzilla and <laughs> shiva baby were in there too uh-huh. um and uh yeah so i very i mean i definitely am intrigued to see what she's gonna do um i also think it's interesting that uh this is one of the handful of movies now. I've seen her two films in the theater in the original release, and she's a little younger than me. I'm seeing yeah. films now that are directed by people that are younger than me, which just <laughs> makes me feel old. It is pretty crazy. Uh, well, a Tish yeah. graduate. So yes, you're... and Rachel Sh- Sinnott and uh, a Debris. They're I all think Iowa Debris too. Yeah, I think they all met at NYU. Yeah. Um, what so... are we doing with our lives? They're starring in. And, well, they were in film production, Jonathan. Yeah. They were in cinema studies, so it's a bit different. Uh, uh so we can move on to our next uh feature in the iowa debris review with on um she plays more of a supporting role in this one uh than in bottoms the movie is theater camp uh directed by molly gordon and nick lieberman uh who adapted a short film that they had made a few years prior and fleshed it out into a feature and uh, co-wrote it with one of the stars of the movie, Ben Platt. Uh, so it stars uh, Molly Gordon, who directed it, Ben Platt, who co-wrote it, as well as Jimmy Tatro and Ayo Adebri. Uh, uh, it is a mockumentary that follows a ramshackle theater camp in upstate New York. 
uh, and the sort of trials and tribulations of getting funding and all sorts of stuff that go with running a theater camp. Uh, it originally premiered January 21st at the Sundance Film Festival and was released wide in the U.S. July 14th. It is now streaming on Hulu. It has a Metacritic score of 70 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 85. And as we were discussing before we started recording, the tables were very much turned on this one because this is a movie I saw in theaters that you saw at home. Uh, so we got a change up of our typical movie watching experience. Um, yes. So I guess I can start with this one since you started with the last one. Um, this is a very like low stakes kind of movie. Um, you can tell it's sort of a beefed up version of a a short film because it seems very much improvised and has a pretty loose story besides like the the main goal of saving the camp is essentially what it's about um but a lot of the charm of it is just the performances and the commitment of the lead actors especially ben platt and molly gordon and uh jimmy tatro who i've seen in a lot of like tv shows and he's a big like youtube uh performer um was very very funny as like the sort of um business oriented but like sort of in a shambolic way son of the founder of the summer camp who was played um by amy sedaris who has a stroke at a performance of what was the what was bye bye birdie bye bye birdie yeah (laughs) which was a pretty absurdist way to start the movie um who also thought was really excellent and then some some more supporting performances from people i'd never seen before like uh noah galvin um, who apparently has been in a lot of TV shows uh, and played Evan Hansen and Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. So we have two Evan Hansons in this movie, Ben Platt and Noah Galvin. I think they actually might be a couple. Married, yes. Yeah, they're, they're married. married. Okay, yeah. Um, which is kind of an interesting element to add to this movie. It's not something I necessarily would have thought watching it. Um, and they don't really have any scenes together, hardly. Not really, no. Um, so I thought this was a very charming movie. I thought it was very funny. I don't think it's like, lit the world on fire or was one of the best movies of the year um but i'm very glad that i saw it and i would pretty much recommend it to most people who are interested in a light-hearted comedy that only takes uh 90 or so minutes and can sort of be done with and not necessarily think about again after you see it um but you just watched this movie jonathan i think just before we started recording so yeah you have I... very fresh impressions on this <laughs> right I found this movie aggressively, painfully, cringe-inducingly unfunny. And really? I so d- did not like it. <laughs> I so did not like it. Uh, I think that it completely doesn't need to be a mockumentary. Uh, it, that might be whole, true. There's whole sections in the movie where you forget that it's a mockumentary. Nothing. <laughs> re- it actually kind of... Uh, goes against what I think its uh, intentions are is to make it feel real and Uh there's kind of this awkward cringe comedy quality to it but by having it be a mockumentary it just heightens how forced and uh, kind of winking at the camera it just there's just like there's so many cuts to the kids or the other uh counselors making these funny little facial expressions and every time that did i just like rolled my eyes i was like jesus christ this is so and um this is like really picky but like i've taught a documentary class like there are scenes where there would have to have been like three or four cameras to have that coverage like there are like confrontation scenes where it's like this is like breaking the rules of it being 
you know, how is how would this be a documentary? They'd have to have like multiple cameras like to get this coverage. Uh-huh. And if the movie were funny and working, you wouldn't notice things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of the big problems to me too is that Waiting for Guffman, I think, is one of the 10 funniest films ever made. Uh-huh. That movie kills me. And that movie, Christopher Guest, his movies in general, I mean, he's he, like the master of the mockumentary. Yeah, he co wrote and starred in this is spinal tap did his own films like waiting for guffman best in show a mighty wind and i uh just like worship christopher guest and this like movie doesn't deserve to like kiss his shoes i mean uh <laughs> it, it just it just is so unfunny to me and i just was like i mean i i love good cringe comedy like i love the original british version of the office uh-huh. um there are you know mockumentaries that i really like but this one just like it just felt I mean it in a way it's subtle and like it's you know character driven, but it just felt so unnatural and like oh we're doing a bit like the fact that it's a mockumentary just makes it even more apparent that this is just shtick and it's hearts in the right place and I have a feeling that people that went to theater camp or theater kids would Yes. you know have a more appreciation of this but i mean you know i'm a gay guy i never went to theater camp but like <laughs> i felt really like i just wanted to like dunk most of these kids heads in a toilet and go watch uh tarantino or a peck and pop movie watching this i just i felt like a homophobe watching it because i was just like <laughs> ugh. i just these characters are so obnoxious and also like with the debris character like there's nothing to her character like it feels like not really though like there's like a a scene or two missing it's like the thing is her character is uh hired and she is like doesn't know anything and also (laughs) there's just these comedic bits that don't go anywhere it's the kid from minari isn't it is it the kid from minari that little asian kid that's like wants to be oh yes I didn't yeah. actually is that, put that together. It is. It is. is it from okay. Yeah. And it's like, th- that's just like a dumb gag that like, who is this? Is he a, like a <laughs> going to the camp? Like, it's just, it's a stupid joke that doesn't work. That they and, run with for far too long. Or it's, it, and it's just like the, the characters come in basically to deliver jokes mm-hmm. and it doesn't have any kind of, I mean, what I love about the Christopher Guest movies, which are very much improvised, but there's like a real like strong comedic sensibility to it. And it feels like uh, there's been real character development. Yeah, and that there's a vision a to it. it. Yeah. And this one just feels very kind of improvised. It and feels a bit put together slapdash. And the, and the characters are like not really that developed. I mean, especially a lot of the supporting performances. It's just like, okay, this is like the costume designers, you know, it's just like, there's just, there's not much to any of the supporting characters Mm -hmm. and like, they don't really give the kids enough time to become any kind of, any kind of interesting characters. They're just there. That's definitely true. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I just, uh, you know, I wrote on letterboxd, ugh. I was just like, would you give it like a one? I gave it two out of five. Okay, so it's not totally unredeemable. <laughs> no, it, I mean, I like I said, it, it has a certain charm to it because, you know, I really do feel like these people, uh, I don't mean like these people, but just like <laughs> the people that made the movie. You're othering it, theater performers, Jonathan. I know, I know. <laughs> it's like I feel bad. Uh, like I said, I feel like dunking their heads in the toilet. And, <laughs> uh, 
I, I just, it just felt forced. I mean, it, it in, a, in a way, it's like a quiet, uh, you know, it's subtle, but it's not subtle. Like, I just, that's what bugged yeah. me is that it just, it it's like doing the, it's doing the shtick. And numerous times, I probably missed like two full minutes of the movie because I would like close my eyes for five seconds and be like, Jesus Christ, this is, <laughs> I just, I was cringing in a way that was not, like good cringe comedy, which I uh. I really do like sometimes, but boy, I didn't, and I I don't know, I don't feel like I would have been changed if I saw this in the theater, but yeah, I did not find it definitely movie. didn't have the sort of infectious uh, laughing that that Bottoms did. Um, you could definitely tell it was sort of first time filmmakers because um, it it didn't necessarily seem like it was extremely well thought out, and um, the ending is not necessarily super satisfying. It sort of just happens. Um, but I, I did think Noah Galvin was really excellent. Someone who I'd never seen before. Um, I thought he was very, very funny. As sort of like the put upon handyman who ends up having uh, his sort of shining moment at the end of it. Um, but I, I, I'm like willing to not be very harsh on this because I think it's a, it was a fairly low budget movie. There aren't really any stakes to it. I think it's pretty forgettable, but I didn't have the sort of violent reaction to it that you did. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm also like, I don't want to be mean, but like, I, I didn't ever see, I heard Evan Hansen was really good on stage and the movie very was really bad. bad. Movie. Yeah, yeah. I have not seen Yeah. And uh, it worries me that he is going to be taking the next 20 years. He's going to be in Richard Linklater's Merrily. Merrily we roll along. Yeah. I know. And it's like, I just don't find him appealing on screen at all. Like he's just, there's something I'm just like, he I definitely has mean. yet to make the jump. Uh, he was in like Billy Lynn's halftime walk. I think I saw that. Yeah. Um, uh, not much else I've seen uh, yeah. besides Dear Evan Hansen, which was truly a terrible, terrible film. I, I mean, I'll say, I mean, she's in the movie literally like two and a half minutes, but Amy Sedaris is like a comedy God to me. I adore her show Strangers of the Candy, which uh, she wrote and starred in. Uh, and there's, I, I there's some actors who just don't make it to, to the films. And he's obviously a very talented theater actor. But yeah, Ben Platt, this is this sort of, it's almost like a a vehicle for him in some ways. Um, yeah, just doesn't maybe, really we'll, land. maybe 20 years from now, we'll see his talent. Merrily we roll finish. along. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, this one just, did, I, it didn't work for didn't me. Didn't hit and, for and, you. And it's just like like little things bother me, like having, you know, in the, you know, name tag, like the name, you know, light on resume, like that's dumb. Like that wouldn't yeah. be in a documentary. Like that's a comedy joke that there's just things that just felt like, oh, here's a joke. Boom. I was like, that's enough. It definitely didn't need to be a mockumentary. You're definitely right about that. Um, yeah. And it sort of cheats at being one and you do sort of forget that it's this one about halfway through it then it returns to it um but uh so <laughs> i'm still reeling from your violent reaction to theater camp um so we will take a brief break and be back with the third in our trilogy of iowa debris movies that were released over the summer um so we will take a brief break and be back in just a minute all right we are back with our io Debris trilogy of summer releases uh with our third movie 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, directed by Jeff Rowe, who had previously co-directed The Mitchells vs. Machines uh, as the titular Ninja Turtles (laughs) is a a pair of, I guess, adolescent actors, you would call them. Uh, Micah Ab... Quartet. Uh, Micah Abbey, (laughs) Shimon Brown Jr., Nicholas Cantu, and Brady Noon, and also co-starring Iowa Debris as their human ally, April O'Neil, along with a lot of very familiar voices. Um, pretty star-studded cast, as you look at it, like Maya Rudolph, John Cena, Seth Rogen, Rose Byrne, Natasha Demetru, Giancarlo Esposito, Jackie Chan, Ice Cube, Paul Rudd, Hannibal Burris, uh, and even a few others besides that. Um, and produced by? Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who I think also co-wrote it. Um, it is about it is an origin story of the Teenage Mutant Turtles uh, and about them hunting for a mysterious crime syndicate so that they will be accepted by humanity um, and assisted by April O'Neil, who is a high school reporter. And they run into trouble when they encounter an army of mutants. Uh, it originally premiered June 12th, 2023 at the Onesie Film Festival in France, uh, was released in the U.S. August 2nd, 2023. A Metacritic, <laughs> a Metacritic score of 74 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 96. And Jonathan, you mentioned before we started recording that this is the first work of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles media you have ever consumed or interacted with. So I would like to hear your reactions to this origin story and uh, a sort of new updated version of it. Yes, I certainly am aware of TMNT. <laughs> that they uh, exist. <laughs> yes, I knew there had been a series of live action films with people in costumes. I knew there had been in more recent years ones that had like live action mixed with CGI creatures. One had Megan Fox in it. I was mm-hmm. like weird stuff that stuck in your mind. I remember thinking, why is Laura Linney in one of these movies? Um, there's been TV shows. She needs a new uh, beach house. Yes. Uh, but uh, so I went into this, you know, knowing the basic conceit of the uh, comic slash previous yeah. uh, filmed they're versions like pizza, of this. They're teenagers. Right. There's a rat. They're in the sewer. I mean, it's kind of in the name. A lot of it is, you know, teenage. They're mutant ninja turtles. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie well enough. I uh, It reminded me of the recent animated spider-man movies and that i think Uh one of the biggest uh selling points of the movie is how unique and kind of uh almost kind of dazzling the animation is i mean the the movie itself is you know entertaining enough and it's it's it is what it is uh but it's it's really kind of impressive it's uh and i say this as a pray as praise it's it's kind of garish and has kind of a punk edge to it there's this uh almost feels like uh graffiti being sprawled mm-hmm. on the screen as we're watching it it feels kind of hand uh crafted and uh i'm sure it cost bajillion dollars to make uh, not but... crazy 70 million is reported budget so not the inflated budget you'll see of some pixar movies that gets up to like 250 million so okay well, uh, yeah, well, okay, well, then, I mean, that's part of the charm of the movie is its animated uh, style. It feels, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's a film about mutant ooze and <laughs> uh, rats and people living in sewers and eating, you know, pizza and 
characters filmed in alleyways with garbage. And so it has that aesthetic and the animation really kind of fits that. It feels uh, kind of, I don't know how you would describe it. It it feels like it's being uh, drawn and crafted like as you're watching. Yeah, there's almost like a a quality of like it being alive and sort of constantly evolving. And yes, a sort of of sense of immediacy in the, in the animation style. You could almost like hear in the background, like like someone mm-hmm. like scratching their pencil on a piece of paper. Uh, and um, the movies, you know, like 99 minutes long. I mean, it could have been like 80 minutes long, maybe it could uh, have been like 50. <laughs> I know uh, the you know, and, you know, but I, I found it uh, charming uh, enough and it's kind of uh you know, it's about outsiders. I mean, one thing you could say that connects all three movies is that they're about outsiders, bottoms and theater camp. Marginalized and groups. I know. <laughs> and uh, also there's a weird connection in that uh, they all three, uh, and especially with uh, a Debris character are about fighting, you know, and yes. bottoms, it's fight club in uh, her brief. And I think underwritten role in theater camp, <laughs> one of the things she does is she doesn't really know what she's doing. And she teaches, the she kids teaches a to... combat instruction class. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then teenage, I mean, she, she voices the, uh, the teenage reporter who's like, yeah, sort so. of, yeah. Right. And um, I mean, don't you think it, uh, it, it certainly reminded you of the Spider-Man movies, right? Definitely. Um, and it's sort of like kinetic, sort of like you said almost like punk street art kind of style um the thing that really stood out for me and i'm sure this was the seth rogan evan goldberg uh contribution was the soundtrack of like 90s hip-hop was fantastic and very unexpected for like a a children's movie from 2020 and the composers are you know who the composed the movie uh oh i see now on wikipedia trent reznor and atticus ross I know the social network and a lot of Fincher movies. And also what other ones have they done? Some pretty big. Did he do bones and all last year? I think, I think, I think so. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So it actually has a pretty well put together soundtrack and score. Um, But for me, the sort of plot was like, eh, it was kind of a movie I like drifted in and out of. Cause I really didn't actually care what was happening in it. It was just sort of like the animation style and, a couple of the jokes were really funny. They make some references to some pretty obscure stuff. Um, and I thought the soundtrack was outstanding. So um, it wasn't necessarily like the plot or what happens or its message that I liked about this movie as much as the sort of, um, you know, peripheral elements that make up a movie, all the sort of different things that make up a movie. So um, not a lot to say about like the voice performances of the, the four Ninja Turtles. I mean, it's it's hard to like judge a voice performance, I guess, unless it's like, I don't know, insanely outstanding. I don't think I've ever been like blown over by a vocal performance in an animated movie. Um, so Scarlett Johansson and her, maybe that. Yeah, that's not animated. Like, that, no, that's the only one that would stand out, though. And also um, the fact, you know, this is way off topic, but, you know, she did all of it in post-production. Samantha Morton recorded the whole movie on yeah. set and was there and they mutually agreed spike jones and her that it which just wasn't right for the film yeah but yeah i i think jackie chan's very funny in the movie he is funny yeah and he's had a, a bit of a resurgence in the last year or so i've seen um like you know tributes to him on the internet and stuff like that um would have been even bigger if he'd accepted the role and everything everywhere all at once which was true yeah 
but then yeah. Michelle Yeoh wouldn't have won an Oscar. Right. <laughs> um, but you could definitely feel the sort of Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg influence on it. And it's especially its soundtrack and its sort of comedy style. Pop culture heavy reference. Pop culture heavy, yeah. Some stuff that definitely would go over the heads of some of the younger viewers. Um, but it seems like it was a mild box office success, 176 million off a 70 million dollar budget that didn't exactly light the world on fire. I think if a studio is still a lot of money though. That's yeah, but if, over double its budget. It's true, but I think you're looking that's only the production budget too. We don't know if the marketing and all that sort of stuff was so there's a good chance it might've like barely broke even. Cause a lot of times the marketing is like outrageous how much it ends up costing. Um, I have to say, this is a movie that I really, uh, you know, before the reviews came out, I had like next to no interest in seeing this despite um, Seth Rogen and the voice cast. I was like, uh, I'm not, I've never seen TMNT. So I'm not like going to jump in now, but then it got like, I point out it's, it has a higher Metacritic rating. And then two of the last five Oscar winners for best picture. Whoa. Uh, Green Book and Coda. Um, oh my God. Yeah. But um, I, two things that made me uh, more interested in the movie besides the reviews, that was the main thing, but uh, it had a really funny uh, advertising thing. There was this viral thing where, uh, years ago where a little kid is dressed as a zombie and he goes, I like turtles. Oh, yeah. And they found that guy as an adult and had him do it basically an ad for the movie i thought i didn't see that that's oh yeah funny and then the other thing that like this is very film nerdy you know on letterboxd they will interview uh filmmakers and actors Mm -hmm. uh various people at festivals about their four favorite and uh jeff rowe is his name yes the director yeah the four movies that he picked were maholland drive stalker godard's a woman is a woman and nashville and i was like okay that guy has legitimate film taste he directed... <laughs> that almost sounds like he's like trying to impress people <laughs> no but i was like i mean and then he did a four uh that like more directly influenced uh teenage mutant ninja turtles colon mutant mayhem i, I didn't see much stalker <laughs> in uh it but um i know I, I they're both i guess technically science fiction films yeah uh, exactly they involve uh, dogs in some capacity right. and let's see Mulholland drive they're both about identity you know there's like kind of the, true. and then uh nashville there's great soundtrack and uh ensemble cast i know <laughs> and uh you know the a woman is a woman is a early you know one of the few films of like godard's first hey and it know, premiered in france in color. yeah i know so maybe it has more connections yeah so like this you know okay so Bottoms is like three out of five for me. Theater Camp's two out of five. Teenage is like three and a half out of five. Yeah. That's what I Yeah. I think I definitely liked Bottoms much, much more than you did. For me, Bottoms is one of my movies of the year so far. I thought it was outstanding. Um, this one, I think, is like a good streaming movie. I think that maybe is a category that's going to become maybe like a good way of of saying like what a movie is where it's sort of consumable but forgettable enjoyable but it doesn't really leave you with a whole lot afterwards and that's very much what i think theater camp and and teenage mutant turtles mutant mayhem sort of were just sort of something to put on and for you you're gonna throw up watching theater camp but (laughs) i think most people wouldn't necessarily i don't know maybe maybe more people would just be the sickened by it think it's awful um but this one had great soundtrack really beautifully animated 
Um, I'm not like a huge fan of the franchise, so it doesn't hold any sort of sentimental value or um, I'm not like interested in watching the TV show that's based on this or anything like that. Um, oh God, no. <laughs> but it's good to see interesting animated, uh, you know, uh, produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who I think generally make good decisions and projects they're involved in. It's eclectic. I mean, they yeah. produced that AMC genre show. What was it called? Uh, Preacher. Uh, preacher yeah preacher yeah. Um, and, um yeah i mean and you know they kind of have uh you know d- they had done animation before with sausage party mm-hmm. um but uh i think that uh yeah i mean i it, it, i i got my one slice of the you know cheese pizza with this i don't think i need any more i <laughs> i was tempted i i i got rid of paramount plus recently and i was like one reason it took me like five weeks to see this movie is I was like, maybe I should just watch the very first live action one. And then I got to the point where I was like, no, I don't want to. I'm not going to go <laughs> watch any of this. Look, I don't, I don't need, need to be to. a completist about this. And you don't have to. You can watch this one completely blind. And yes, because it, it is sort of an origin story. Um, provides any sort of context and information you'd need about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their background and their future. Um, but yeah, so a bit of a different episode. Uh I'm sure we're going to have more episodes in the next months or so, just considering the sheer bulk of really important and interesting looking movies coming out this month. The most important of which Killers of the Flower Moon. I know. I'm very (laughs) happy that it's officially has showtimes at my local IMAX. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, the Pedro Amandovar short Strange Way of Life opens uh, on uh, the first Friday in October um and it's uh only 31 minutes some theaters are playing it with his previous short that kind of got small barely released during covid uh, the human voice mm-hmm. some theaters are playing as a double feature yeah but there's not too much uh i'm really excited about until killers of fire moon it's like a lot of these films we've seen uh that premiered at festivals but they're actually get released until i'd say the start of like the fall uh film festival like getting released in theaters as killers on october 20th and then you have like priscilla and uh the leftovers or the holdovers what's it called the holdovers the whole yeah the holdovers yeah stuff like that starts (laughs) exactly (laughs) i'm seeing priscilla friday night with sofia coppola wow aren't you special (laughs) i know and then uh the next day i get to see frederick weisman's four-hour new documentary oh you're just gonna be in heaven yeah, it will You're be just... like a. Uh, it will be like uh, fixing my the bad mockumentary of theater camp, like a real master, ninety-three year old Wiseman for four Injected hours. Injected directly into my veins. I uh, know. But yeah, thank you for listening uh, to this episode of the Movie Brats. I'm sure we will be back uh, before too long, uh, continuing our five-year anniversary celebration throughout the rest of the year. Uh, so thank you for listening and we will be back with you next time.